Welcome everybody to the Gameology Podcast. This is episode 40. We are talking about AI in games, Team AI. I am one of your permanent hosts, Matthew Falva, and I'm joined as always by... Attila Gabriel Bunyski. Attila, this subject, you're a game developer. I'm not. I'm just a game player. I like to talk about them. I was thinking about this subject... Someone had brought up um, squad AI in games, and I was thinking about all the different applications of a Call of Duty AI. Uh, the Last mm-hmm. of Us has a real sort of controversial use of it that many people say is a detriment to it. We'll get to that. Um, Bioware is one of my favorite examples of it. Um, as, a, as a developer, I know it's a pretty big subject to broach, but mm-hmm. um, you have any general thoughts on it? Well, I think it, it depends on, like, there's different classifications of, like, the different types of, I guess, AI that you have to deal with. There's the antagonistic AI, so just enemies. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's the partner AI, so characters that are supposed to be like friendlies. Um, there's all different like subsets of that because there's the people you have to keep alive, so the escort quests, which I think everyone hates with good reason. Absolutely. Um, there's support characters, like you mentioned. Uh, Bioshock has Elizabeth, so characters that are just actively assisting the player. Yeah. And then there's the sort of I don't know, kind of battle buddy type characters, which are like your squad mates in Mass Effect, and those are the ones who are actually assisting you in combat. Sure, let's so. you know, let's talk about uh, one of those. You mentioned escort missions. Now, uh-huh. one of the problems with escort missions is that it's never fun if a character you're escorting dies, and you feel like there was nothing you could have done because they mm-hmm. just missed their path or. Um, they weren't responding to commands. Breath of the Wild had an escort mission. I held my breath when I first saw it, um, but they handled it pretty well because the character, when you're climbing up uh, Goron or Death Mountain, a big fiery mountain, they'll they respond to commands and they either move or they stop. And mm-hmm. it's sort of like a spotlight game where you're trying to stand or, um, you know, certain areas, watch out for enemies that are coming down. And I felt like that was handled pretty well because you had direct control over them. Another Zelda example is the Ocarina of Time when you're escorting Princess Zora out of Jabu Jabu's belly. The great mm-hmm. thing about her is that she doesn't move and mm-hmm. she can't be injured. You just pick her up like an object. Nintendo treating women like objects. And uh, you place her down wherever you want. I think you could even throw her. She yeah. won't get harmed. You can deal with the trouble. You can just pick up and move along. Yeah, they had a similar mechanic in Wind Waker, which I felt they felt they handled really well, where you had um, one of the sort of songs you could play with the baton mm-hmm. was a uh, song of command, I think it was called. Uh, no, I don't know. Something close to that anyway. Uh, and you could sort of take control of one of two characters to help you through a dungeon. Right. And similarly, like if you have complete control over those characters, then you're placing them where you need them to be. Otherwise, you just have a simple like follow me command or mm. a stay put command. So it was relatively simple to have them help you through those dungeons and I, I don't think anyone had any complaints about those parts of the game right that i felt yeah um you know in terms of um last of us is a big one i wanted to talk about because mm-hmm. the the involvement with um with your teammates and, and the cast members in that game is so is so important to the execution of the story and what makes it really fun it's all about the story and the plot and the interplay between the relationships of the characters uh one of the most dangerous enemies is called a clicker and they can't see mm-hmm. but they can uh see you by hearing you so there's yeah, a lot like of t- location that's right sort of so there's something. yeah and it's kind of handled a little bit clumsily if you look too far into it but it's a game so don't look too far but that creates a lot of tense situations where you're climbing crawling along trying to be very very still and very very quiet waiting holding your breath as he's the second time i've said that 
that as these uh, enemies walk past you. Super tense moments. Um, but it can be spoiled because the AI kind of walks around like a bunch of morons. They walk around like tourists. They're ba banging into things. They're walking directly in front of the enemy. Um, they chose, I would imagine they chose to make your AI, your enemy, sorry, your partner AI not affect them just in terms of difficulty. And that's kind I mean, of- thank goodness, right? Yeah. You yeah. would never want that. Exactly, but I mean, that just, I guess what they could have done to improve it was maybe have them stay further behind you, maybe try to keep them always out of sight of the camera so that whatever idiotic things they're doing is behind you. And if you turned around, they would sort of just stop. We weren't doing anything dumb. It's just when they get in front. I mean, it's still a fantastic game, uh, and I'm sure that that is a big problem. But I think that brings up maybe the main philosophy difference is how much should your AI be in charge of and responsible for, and how much should the enemy difficulty be? And those need to sort of find a, a perfect balance. Right. Well, I guess in the example of Last of Us, like you really, um, it, it's really difficult. Uh, like it's an ongoing problem, right, to create. AI that can navigate spaces. So having the side characters like not perfectly navigate the environment, not be like as super silent as you would expect them to be, um, ultimately that's just a problem that where they had to dedicate and say like, okay, we've create we've put this much time and effort into creating this sort of partner AI, having them take cover, having them move around, uh, navigate hallways, all that kind of stuff. Uh, at the end of the day, they just had to say, look they're gonna do some stuff that seems inconsistent. Mm -hmm. The best thing we can do uh, for the player for the sake of gameplay is make it so that you can't fail because of them. Yeah. And I think that was absolutely the right choice to make. Like there's uh, only with like the most amateur decision would have been to leave it so that if they cause noise then it can kill you. I have seen like one or two gameplay clips where Ellie knocks over a physics object. That creates noise oh. and that gets the player killed. Uh, okay. But it's never like their footfalls or whatever that directly kill the player. It was only like she knocked over a physics object that caused a sound source which attracted the clicker and it happened to kill the player. So it wasn't that it alerted the clicker to the player's presence directly. It just brought them in that line. Mm -hmm. So it's definitely still not ideal. Um, but the at the end of the day, it's nowhere near as bad as a game where you would have actually had to protect any of those uh, partners, not just Ellie, but other characters who you have alongside you, because that would have made those stealth sections just incredibly frustrating. What, personally, the way I got through those sections was I just crafted a whole bunch of shivs, and every time I got near a clicker, I just killed it. Mm -hmm. I just didn't want to deal with the sneaking around, only insofar as just using the shiv to auto-clear those sections. Awesome. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, I know that there's uh, stealth appeals to some people, I'm just not necessarily one of them. Uh, if I had a shortage on shifts, then I would try to get through it without using them all up. But anyway, um, in terms of like how much responsibility you want to give the AI in a given encounter, uh, I guess it sort of lends to the like the, the scale of a situation. Like it feels more intense if you've got a bunch of characters on your side all hailing fire on the enemy, and they've got a whole bunch of guys all hailing fire on you. Um, it feels more dramatic that way mm -hmm. than if you just have like a one-on-one -on -one or one-on-three sort of firefight if the player is responsible for absolutely everything. Uh, and you can have uh, sort of scripted stuff happen so that the both your buddies and the enemies have stormtrooper aim and they never hit each other 
but you right. can hit them, and like ultimately the player is responsible for. That's sort of the Call of Duty method. Okay, I'm not particularly familiar with. Uh, I haven't played a Call of Duty game myself, hmm. but I have played Halo, where they have that. Uh, they have like friendly AI who will like help you out in certain situations, but it never feels like having them around is detracting from my enjoyment of the game. I know that mm-hmm. uh, there's some people who just kill them. And that's sure. is, you know, I don't think that uh, speaks particularly well of those people, but they just insist, no, I want all the points, I want all the kills, and leave it all to me. So they murder their friendly AI, which, I mean, if you feel that strongly about it, at least it's an option that they gave you, I guess. And they didn't make you fail the mission just because you killed a friendly AI. Yeah, no punishment for murdering your friends. It's, yeah. I mean, with that idea of having a giant force on one side and a giant force on the other, uh, and and having that actually have any kind of consequences and having their attacks mean something would make either your player as fragile as one of them for mm-hmm. it to mean something. And then you kind of get that starts feeling like um, playing Star Wars Battlefront online where it's just a, a frag fest and you're getting taken down at least I am all the time from unseen sources, which is probably very realistic Mm -hmm. in terms of certain types of war. Um, Another way to do it is, is if you have a bunch of minions on other side, they're smashing into each other and you're controlling, say the hero character where you have a lot more strength and you're just, you know, cutting swaths through them. And that way it keeps it feeling a little more realistic and grounded. Um, And then you have, like you said, the sort of the stormtrooper AI side where I feel like when I play some of these Call of Duty games, you get into an area, there's a bunch of enemies on one side, a bunch of enemies on your side. Everyone's just kind of taking cover and waiting for you to do it, really. They're like yelling things and they're shooting and stuff, but it's... And they might take out the odd person here or there, and I can't speak for every Call of Duty game. when my big brother gets here, he's going to kick your butt. Yeah, exactly. And it's... It's like when I'm moving a lot of objects from, like, say, the car to the house and my girlfriend just slowly moves around waiting for me to do it or we'll find some other task to do until I come in and do all the headshots for that metaphor. So, you know, in that sense, like, I, under- I understand why they do that. And you're empowering the player character. Uh, and I think if you can empower them and just, I mean, really it comes down to, to making it fun and finding that magic combination of... Uh, I mean, I read a, a like real quick side note, a story about Mass Effect Andromeda and the troubled development, and they were saying how they had come up with all these all these other things that they're going to do space travel, procedurally generated planets, but and it worked, but they couldn't make it fun, and that's the main thing. So if you can make yeah. that engaging, and not have these moments where the AI screws up the character and punishes, you know, player progress, makes it frustrating. Yeah. Then you just kind of have to go with what works. Yeah, I mean, that was one of the major faults with The uh, the Last Guardian, right? Is that there was a, a, a Trico, I think is the creature's name. Yeah, um, and exactly. And like, there's a lot of these moments where it's scripted. It's supposed to do something. Like, this giant griffin creature is supposed to uh, pick up this physics object and drop it over to the player so that you do it, but just, it won't. Mm-hmm. And you can't, like force the animation to make it do it. Like, you have to leave and come back, and then the animation figures out, like, oh, I should be doing this thing. I can't imagine something more frustrating because you're just so impotent in those moments yeah you just have no control over this creature so i really feel like you should never make challenges completely contingent on an ai that you don't have direct control over like in zelda it's fine because like you could just um you know either in the case of uh with Princess Ruto, you could pick her up and set her down where you need to, or in The Wind Waker, you had the command melody you could play, and both of those would give you direct control over your AI partner, so if you need to both step on a switch at the same time, no problem. Um, 
But those sort of circumstances where you just have to wait and hope that the AI like gets into position, or I think there was the uh, one of the recent Star Trek video games where you play as uh, Kirk and Spock. They had the sort of similar situ situations where if you're trying to play that game single player, like without another human controlling the whoever the other person is, right. you could be locked into a position waiting for your uh, buddy to come help like lift you through a duct and in the meantime they're like crushed underneath an elevator like there's just you can't advance you're stuck the game is effectively uh soft locked mm -hmm. is what it's called when you like the game isn't technically frozen but there's nothing you can do to advance the circumstances so you have no choice but to reset it so that's what soft locking is called mm. um so yeah, the, and, and you can end up in those situations a lot whenever you rely too heavily on AI. I think the most responsible thing a developer can do is just sort of admit the fault of an AI and just say like, listen, sometimes it's not perfect. Um, if the player makes it to this point, they should be able to advance anyway, whether or not the AI catches up, like just give a little time window. Uh, I know sure. when I was playing a particular Halo game, uh, there was a component of it where you had to escort a creature and a whole bunch of physics explosions went off. That creature got launched into the sky, hmm. didn't die, but it wouldn't come down. And okay. then I was just standing in front of a door waiting for this thing to unlock it. Oh. It wasn't coming down. That was yeah. it. I had to reset and I lost like two hours of progress. Oh because, my God. Yeah. I had to replay that entire chapter because I, it checkpointed me, of course, the second after this thing had gotten knocked up into the sky and I, that was it. I just lost all that progress Whoa. so yeah anytime that developers put too much credence in their like unless that thing is following a fixed path and you can guarantee that it will like plow through any objects that are in its way mm -hmm. you just cannot rely on that sort of thing to advance the state of your game yeah well there's so many variables when it comes to you know what's going to happen in a video so game situation many. when you introduce different physics and objects that you need to kind of build in those fail safes and like to try to anticipate these what if moments but sometimes yeah. i mean they probably the guys that made halo in that situation never expected that to ever happen so it's right it, it, like it's it's such an unusual case like it was just a whole bunch of grenades all got set off at the exact same time and blew this thing up into the air somehow without killing it i guess because i was actually playing on an easier difficulty mm. so just that happened to be this perfect storm of you know variables that lined up and made it so that i lost all that progress um like i've actually started creating uh companion ai for a new game that i'm working on and it i spent so much time trying to write uh code that would make the character follow the player around just on a just in a like platforming system mm -hmm. um i can see why games like paper mario had so much trouble with it which is why your character is like Sometimes they don't make a jump and they just fall out, like, uh, fall down behind you and then they just blink out of existence and drop down next to you. Like, uh, you'll go through a door and your player companion is stuck behind a wall somewhere, so again, they just teleport over to you. Mm -hmm. There's so many potential things that they can get hung up on. And the situation, um, the, the solution that I ended up arriving for, uh, arriving at for the, the partner AI in my game is there is no AI, it just... Uh, creates a cue of the player's X position, Y position, and animation state, yeah. and it just drops that into a cue and then pops it out of the cue sometime after the player has started moving. 
so that it is going through the exact same positions and animations as you are, and that way it, it stays next to you and it guarantees that it's not going into any impossible circumstances mm. because it's doing things that the player themselves has done. So the only potential problem is if you have a variable in the environment that is that might be like say a movable wall yeah, so that if you walk past something it, that yeah right so then you run into that issue yeah absolutely and those are the circumstances where i just need to teleport the, the character you mm -hmm. know i just need to give up and say like oh that's not okay you're just teleport yeah done. the team um in sonic 2 they had an ambitious idea where sonic would have this tails character following <laughs> around yeah. and he was always dying because dying, especially with sonic yeah. they wanted to have big sprites but yeah because of the graphical limitations you couldn't really see too much on the four by three screen so tails was always dying and you could even control with the second player character but they spent most of their time hovering in from the next area yelling at you yeah. to slow down and you'd say i'm playing sonic man i don't yeah, slow down it's it's one of those things where like thank god they made the decision to make him in, immortal because yeah. if they'd <laughs> have actually made him die it's like well that so much for that too bad they didn't use that immortal power of his for good. It would have made dealing with almost every other situation easier, but Sonic wanted all the glory. I think there's a darkly sketch about that. <laughs> um, Bioware has a, sort of a different take on it, and I'm thinking especially about some of their older games that were still rooted in the, you can pause the game and issue a bunch of commands, like Knights mm -hmm. of the Old Republic and some of the games around that era. In those games, they make all of your AI just as important as you are, if not more important in some situations. The difficulty is raised to the point where one character shouldn't be able to complete most of the more difficult battles. And that lends itself really well for, say, a strategy game because you can pause the game and actually go in and tell everybody what to do frame by frame. It doesn't really work in a real-time situation unless you can control some kind of... Um, I mean, Final Fantasy XII had like, like a gambit system where you would uh, program the AI of your characters. I've been playing Final Fantasy XIII, and you again, you sort of set them up with a different role, an attacking role, a medic role, a synergist mm -hmm. role, and then they perform those. However, sometimes... In a turn, like in an older turn-based Final Fantasy game, you can get down to it where you go, all right, if this person doesn't execute this health spell this turn, we're all going to die. Good thing I have direct yeah. control. And that would happen in Final Fantasy XIII where the AI just doesn't do the medicing spell fast enough or they don't cast it at all, which is, you know, a big, big kind of problem. They tried to go around that by having potions now affect all three members of the party because you only do control mm -hmm. the one. And by giving them such specific roles as you're a medic, you're a fighter, you, you kind of railroad them into acting mm -hmm. that certain way. But because it's real time, there's just instances where you're going to, you know, you're going to suffer where you wouldn't have if it was, if it was turn-based. So, uh, you know, and then in the later, well, actually, let's just talk about that. I mean, did you have any thoughts regarding that style? Because I think that that, that kind of comes down to yeah, the I type mean, of game. Like, it becomes more of a strategy uh, game. Yeah, there, uh, in, in particular, you just sort of reminded me of one of the other things I was going to mention. Um, in one of the Resident Evil games, I think the fifth Resident Evil game, um, the one that was rife with controversy, but uh, all that aside, mm -hmm. you had a partner character, and you could, uh, you have limited inventory space in these games, so you could offload some of your items over to her, um, some of which are these healing items, uh, which they come in two different like size quantities. One, there's a small one that only heals like a little bit of health, and one that's a large one that heals like a like your full health bar or whatever. Right. Um, and I remember someone describing their experience playing that game when they were uh, injured, but just a little bit, so they weren't super concerned. They were just still pegging off at the zombies, whatever. And then all of a sudden, they see out of the corner of their uh, their uh, vision 
the AI is running at them with a full heal kit. And it's like, oh no, no. don't waste that. <laughs> no, 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 no. So it's like he's now running away from the AI that's trying to help him. Right. He's more afraid of this other character than he is of the zombies. Oh my god. They have failed as designers in that situation. Like, that's just... Uh, again, the best thing you can hope for is a character like uh, Bioshock... Uh, uh, her... Um, Elizabeth, Bioshock Infinity, mm-hmm. where she's just, oh, you're out of ammo? Here, have a gun with full ammo. Oh, you're low on health? Here's a health vial. Oh, you're low on this resource? Like, just, she's throwing you things. Sometimes that got annoying. People were upset that, like, they'd be in the middle of something and she'd find a collectible and take that opportunity to toss it to the player. Right. Um, but by and large, it was helpful and... I appreciated having Elizabeth as a companion character because she was giving me things when I needed them. And also uh, you had the part. opportunity to use it as well. Yeah, there's a button prompt that appears on the screen. You can choose whether you want to accept it right then or not. So if mm-hmm. you don't want to be locked in the animation of receiving whatever item it is, then you don't have to accept it and, right and away. And if she gives you a health item, it doesn't take effect right away? Or do you have to... I think you consume it when you get it, but... Mm she has the tendency to find items that don't actually exist in the environment. Okay. So, like, she'll find a gun that has full ammo that I would swear just doesn't exist in the game world, so... She grabbed it from another dimension. Yeah, yeah. That's a great justification for it, but the the point being, it was always something that it's like, yeah, I could do with that right now. Thank you. Hmm. So, that's... I think that's the the direction that uh, friendly AI sort of should lean towards is the like assisting the player especially if they're in a tight spot because mm-hmm. you know ultimately you want you want to say like oh i didn't need the help it's like well would you have preferred to die and then do the whole thing over again no you would have been more willing to take like okay i'll accept this little bit of extra ammo thank you and then i don't have to do this entire combat encounter all over again yeah i think overall there are no hard and fast rules with it there are just goals that the developer should seek to avoid things like frustration and having the AI be responsible for your death or responsible for too much in certain types of games. And you want to have it, if you're going to have to err on the side of some kind of uh, unbelievability, just have that be a little more safe. Go the Last of Us route. Have it be a little more unbelievable, but at least it's not affecting you in a negative way. Yeah, don't don't be so proud that you are afraid to have the character teleport into position just when you need them. You know, yeah, it breaks immersion a little, but mm-hmm. you know what else breaks immersion? Standing in front of a door, stuck in an animation, waiting for something that's never going to happen. That's right. Did you have anything else? Uh, let me just uh, consult my notes on the matter real sure. quick. But I believe we've touched upon just about everything. Um, yep, that's about it. All right. Well, you can download this episode and many, many others from the Blue Screen Productions website. You can uh, find video versions of this episode on YouTube where you can see our faces if you're not looking at them right now. I've been Matthew Falvey. We're going to have a- another episode in two weeks about... We don't know yet, actually. Yeah, we do. Super Mario Brothers. Okay. I thought we were reversing the order on that. But all right. Yeah. Maybe it'll be next week. Maybe it'll be the one before. Anyways, we're going to have more episodes coming at you. If you like the show, please share it with somebody else. It really helps. You can also give us a review on iTunes. You would have no idea how important 
a good iTunes review is, even a bad one, just to review it shows that people are watching the show and responding. You can find me on Twitter at GameThinkTalk and at a 90s kid. And Tila? To clear up any confusion, we are going to be talking about Mario Brothers next week. It's a different Mario Brothers than the one we're going to record just now. Absolutely. So, okay. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at BluishGreenPro uh, or my personal Twitter handle, Attila Gabriel. You can find me uh, on the on the internets mm. at bluishgreenproductions.com where you can check out, uh, as Matthew mentioned, every episode of the show. And you can also submit questions that we would uh, then read and answer on the show. And uh, let's see. I guess you can also find some of my other game projects on there. A couple free ones. Yeah, yeah. Check out, uh, what's the little sprite one where you did with a great soundtrack by Mark Sparling and you jump around that nice, beautiful world? That is uh, formerly titled When We Were Young. That's the project that's now called Sapling. And that's going to be my very own take on the Paper Mario uh, world game style genre. Is it still going to be two-dimensional? Yep. All right. Great game. Is the demo still available for the old one? Yeah, yeah. When We Were Young is still available. I recommend checking it out. Okay, everybody. Thanks for watching, and bye for now.